From Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News, this is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. So I know for a lot of our teacher friends who listen to to Extra Credit, it's been kind of a crazy month. The, the kids are bouncing off the walls. It's almost holiday break. So we'll try to talk calmly and in measured tones because it's been kind of a, a crazy time. Plus, this will probably sound a little bit more lo-fi because we're having a, some technical issues that we will not bore you with. But uh, we're here nonetheless. We're here nonetheless, doing our very best. So apologies we're- if it doesn't sound quite right. Today, uh, I'm going to be working on it over a Christmas break, trying to get it better. We're, we're, we're trying. We're, we're, we're working on it. But we do have a lot to talk about because we promised to do one last podcast for 2019, kind of looking back at what has been a really eventful year in education policy and education politics uh, with an eye towards where does this leave us heading into 2020, which will be another eventful year in education policy and education politics. In that regard, I think we're really at a crossroads, Kevin. Big year in 2019. I think part of the story of 2019, though, is what didn't get accomplished and what's left over for 2020. But let's go all the way back to the beginning of 2019 and talk about the legislative session, because I think that's going to set up what happened during the legislative session, what happened over the summer, and what's left dangling out there uh, waiting for 2020. I think that's probably the best way to approach it. If you want to go back to the 2019 session and talk about some of the highlights and some of the big issues and and debates, because a lot of that is going to be foreshadowing our year in 2020. Yeah, a lot of the things that we saw happen in education, especially in K-12 policy, were continuations of what we've seen in the past few years, the continued funding of the uh, career ladder for teacher salaries, the continued funding of advanced opportunities, uh, continued funding uh, for college and career counselors, big increase in literacy funding. But a couple of issues that really jump out at me that were left unresolved by the 2019 legislature that kind of sets the stage for the 2020 legislature is, well, let's go to the one that we expected we'd spend a lot of time dealing with during the 2019 session, and that's the school funding formula really didn't quite happen in 2019. Now, we also thought that was going to be big in 2019, like we think it'll be big in 2020. But the reason was is there was an interim committee, as most of our readers and listeners know, that had spent the previous three years kind of exploring the idea of updating or ditching Idaho's now 25-year-old attendance-based school funding formula and replacing it with an enrollment-based formula. There was three years' worth of work from an interim committee that went into that. Uh, Quite a debate during the 2019 session. There were all kinds of spreadsheets coming forward. and uh, But uh, at the end of the day, legislators could not get a new funding formula bill even out of committee. Nothing reached the floor. And so we had this, we called it funding formula light, mm-hmm. but a new data reporting bill that was supposed to, well, produce some new data that could drive the conversation uh, into 2020, basically. Right, right. Setting the stage for potentially passing a funding formula bill in 2020. So we know that there's going to be another push in the direction of the funding formula. There are just too many powerful legislators who have invested a lot of time in political capital and trying to get something done in this regard. 
I, I can't imagine the issue going away. Well, it's not going away. And, and while you were focusing on your literacy series over the last several weeks, I've been talking to some legislators about the upcoming 2020 session. And I know several legislators are working on drafts of a new funding formula bill. I spoke with Lance Clow, chairman of the House Education Committee, who said that Several legislators have sent him spreadsheets, have sent him draft proposals to review and to get feedback on. I've talked to Representative Wendy Horman, the Idaho Falls Republican, who I believe served as a co-chair of the interim committee looking at the school funding yes, formula. Yes, she did. She's also the House uh, vice chair of the budget setting, the Joint Budget Committee. Representative Horman told me that she wants to work on school funding formula this year, that she knows proposals are coming forward, and she still thinks that it's time to modernize and update our school funding formula. And I talked to Senate Education Chairman Dean Mortimer, who said in his final legislative session in 2020 that the funding formula is one of about three or four big things he really hopes to work on. He really is hoping that his last session, he's not going to run for re-election. He's already right. announced that. He's really hoping his last session will be one of his busiest and most productive sessions. And the funding formula is on his list. So we know we pick up that conversation heading into 2020. We know we'll, we'll have that. We also know that we've got a lot of work to, to go through in terms of administrative rules. This was something we could not see happening as we headed into the 2019 session. We could not have expected this sort of this impasse at the end of the legislative session over administrative rules that now leaves... Uh, opens up the possibility for some really extensive and potentially some really uh, polarizing discussion about administrative rules during this 2020 session. And I know this is tough, and I know this feels like a difficult subject, and I could just feel people's eyes glazing over, oh, the administrative rules, rules oh. again. And, and I get it, and I totally do, but the thing about administrative rules in Idaho, a couple things, there's so many of them. And they carry the force and effect of state law in Idaho, and that's why they're important. But all of the things that we've talked about, academic standards, graduation requirements, state fees, health and welfare, immunization guidelines, all of that comes in the form of administrative rule. And I'll see if I can do like a 30-second cliff, cliff Notes version of, of where we went. So if you just bear with me for the next half hour. Uh, yeah. But the legislature... We're just warming up here. <laughs> the legislature in 2019 took the unusual step of not reauthorizing all of the state administrative rules. That's kind of a traditional end-of-session housekeeping item. They did not do that. They walked away from the end of 2019, prepared to allow all rules to expire. Governor Little stepped in in the interim and said... I'm going to reauthorize the important rules on a temporary basis. But meantime, he cut, you know, at the last press conference I went to, he said they cut, simplified, reduced something like 75% of administrative rules and over the all, summer. But while all of that's true, they didn't touch a lot of the, the they left rules education on hot-button topics. So yeah. they didn't touch science standards. They right. didn't touch common core. They didn't touch, not an education issue, but certainly an issue that affects schools. They didn't touch... Uh, immunization guidelines. Correct. There are still legislators who would love to take another run at some of these rules and would love to use this process next legislative session to force a re-examination, force another round of votes on things like science standards or Common Core or immunization guidelines. So while little can say yep. that a lot of rules have been streamlined, a lot of language has been taken out of the rules, you still got folks who want to see 
a, a rules rewrite go a whole lot farther and have a lot more of an impact on on policy. The legislature is very aware uh, that as part of this process, they get a look at all of the rules now. And when I talked to Clow, the House Education Chairman, he said that's going to be one of the very first things that they tackle this uh, this year. And Clow said he's been wondering about this and anticipating this for eight months, not really knowing how it's going to go, how long it's going to take. He said he wants to focus on being a fair moderator of the hearings. But he told me specifically uh, that he expects science standards to come back up again, and then he expects Common Core to come up again. Um, and he said he's going to give those a fair hearing if legislators have concern. And so I think it's all but guaranteed uh, that we will have deep discussions, at least in the House Education Committee, about the rules, about academic standards, specifically Idaho's version of the Common Core standards, and specifically the science standards. If you remember, go back two, three, four legislative sessions, quite a debate over science standards. I think it took three years before yep. the legislature ultimately signed off on new science standards. I want to say that occurred during the 2018 legislative right. session. Um, but they wrestled with, I think it was five different paragraphs of language. It was a lot of the supporting materials behind the standards, the incorporated by reference documents and the supporting material but they really wrestled with language that dealt with the age and history of the universe, global warming, and fossil fuel. Those were the kind of things that the legislature wanted to pick apart and take a closer look at and really put under the microscope. I think that'll be back. Yeah. So that sets the stage on a couple of issues that we know we're going to be dealing with with 2020 as we, as we look back at 2019. Let's talk a little bit about what happened after the legislature left town, because you know, usually the summer for us, it slows down a little bit. That was certainly not the case this year. Uh, a couple of big developments over the course of the summer that I expect will have a, a big impact on what unfolds in 2020. Well, let's start with Governor Little's education task force that you followed so closely. Yeah, I kind of spent the summer on the road following the task force. But for five months over the spring, summer and fall, uh, Governor Little's K-12 education task force met around the state and developed a series of education reform recommendations. Governor Little essentially asked the task force for a five-year blueprint on education issues uh, that were all related back to two central topics. And these are the governor's priority areas of early childhood literacy, literacy in grades K through three, and then the other end of the spectrum, college and career readiness. And so after numerous subcommittee meetings and full task force meetings, there were a long, long list of potential recommendations that ultimately boiled down to five recommendations that were approved and issued in early November. And then just a week or two ago, uh, the task force submitted its final report uh, to Governor Little, who hasn't exactly tipped his hand, but said the task force recommendations will go a long way to shaping his education budget and policy recommendations for the 2020 session and beyond. Yeah, I mean... You can kind of read a little bit into uh, where Governor Little is on some of these task force recommendations, some more clearly than others. As I did the literacy series this week, I talked about a couple of the task force recommendations that relate to literacy. You can tell pretty clearly that Governor Little likes the idea of using the Idaho reading indicator as an accountability metric. That was one of the recommendations. And for administrators. I mean, he's, he's pretty much on board with that. And that may be a recommendation that uh, has a lot of support around the legislature. There isn't a lot of cost attached to it. You're already giving the test, so there isn't a, there isn't 
you're not creating much of a new program. You're just using an existing test in a different way. Accountability is always a popular concept with a lot of legislators when it comes to education funding. It gets more complicated. And I think the governor has been a little bit more circumspect about some of the other task force recommendations, the all-day kindergarten recommendation, which could cost tens of millions of dollars, depending on how aggressively and how fully you sure. want to pursue that, and a rollout of an expansion of the career ladder, more uh, teacher pay raises, especially for veteran teachers. That also could cost you tens of millions of dollars, e even if you roll it out over a series of, of several years. That's another multi-million dollar expenditure. So we don't really know yet where the governor is going to be on those issues, on those recommendations, but we'll know pretty early. And we'll know by the first day of the legislative session what he'd like to do with, with both of those topics. Yeah, because on January 6th, he'll roll out both his budget proposal and his state of the state address. And so that's where we'll find the real specifics. But I, I think you're exactly right on some of these task force recommendations that have Oh, the, the term we hear in the legislature is a fiscal impact, but basically have a cost is what that means. And uh, so the legislature is already bracing for a tight budget year. We've already reported that Governor Little uh, is asking all state agencies other than K-12 education mm -hmm. to reduce their base budgets by 2% for the upcoming budget year. But when I talked with Lance Clow, House Ed Chairman, when I talked to, to Kurt Liebich, the brand new State Board of Education member who was a member of the task force, Everybody kind of feels that they're looking for the governor to prioritize some recommendations. They don't think we can do all five in one year, year because of the scope of that and because of the cost. And so a lot of legislators and state board members and task force members are going to be watching that state of the state address closely on January 6th to see if Governor Little rolls out a graduated plan or indicates his priorities or a staging over multiple years but there's a real sense that even though there's only five recommendations, not 20 or 21 like the previous K-12 task force, there's a real sense that there's going to have to be a staged, still have to drill phased down. implementation, and policymakers are going to look for some priorities out of the governor, and then the negotiations really start, right? Right. Another issue that kind of unfolded over the course of the summer that I think is going to play out a little bit in the 2020 legislative session was this... This public dispute between the Idaho Public Charter School Commission and some charter school advocates wound up uh, in a, a dispute over a, a two-hour executive session that violated state law. Correct. The Attorney General's office investigated, found that uh, the commission overstepped its boundaries in this executive session. They talked about topics that should never have been discussed in the executive session. Uh, straight off of the uh, agenda that they had laid out for this closed session. And beyond the, the open meeting issue, which is obviously pretty important to us, it also exposed some real uh, tension between the commission and some charter school advocates. Yeah. Uh, representatives of the virtual charter schools, for example, representatives of some of the charter schools, such as Heritage Academy in Jerome, some of the East Idaho charter schools, really want to see a, a house cleaning in the Charter School Commission and really haven't backed off of that idea. Um, we have seen some changes within the Charter Commission just in the past couple of weeks. Tamara Basinger, uh, the longtime executive director of the commission, she's stepping down uh, at the end of the year to so have a change there. 
But I suspect you're still going to see some legislation in terms of charter schools, uh, perhaps in terms of charter school governance. And it'll be really fascinating to watch how this plays out because it's not the entire charter school community saying that there's something wrong with the commission. It's not the entire charter school commission saying that a change has to be made there. There's a difference of opinion within the charter school sector. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, yeah there are definite factions with different motivations and beliefs and stances here. But I've pretty much been been told that a member of the House Education Committee is looking at the issue closely, and some legislators do expect perhaps a bill or at least a conversation this year about the governance and the structure of the Charter School Commission in light of some of that tension, in light of the executive session issue this summer. Uh, but, you know, charter governance is a topic that Year after year, session after session, we run into uh, in some form or another. The idea behind charter governance and the overall school choice movement in the state of Idaho, which continues to be alive and well and favored uh, by many members of the Republican-controlled House and by most members of the House Education Committee. Right. So certainly in theory and in practice, this legislature has been supportive of charter schools and, and of school choice and of trying to come up with a governance plan that works for, for charters. Uh, as you know, we saw a couple of years ago, relaxing some of the hiring requirements for Correct. charter administrators. You know, I think this is a legislature that has tried to figure out ways to work with the charter school community to... You know, come up with, with a system that, that the community, that the, the charter school sector wants to work with. But, you know, you may have legislators looking at this mess and looking at this disagreement within the charter sector and say, well, what do you want? What do you want us to do here? And who do we listen to? So I think that's an issue that's going to be an interesting one to watch, a uh, pretty hard one to handicap because, you know, because of the, the discord within the charter sector and, and how legislators respond to that. Yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but I do anticipate a discussion and a discussion about the governance structure of the Charter School Commission and perhaps its relationship with the State Board of Education serving as sort of the umbrella over the Charter School Commission. But stay tuned. We'll see. I have not have not read a bill, of course. I haven't even really had a chance to talk with a legislator who is working on that issue closest, but... Uh, it's on lawmakers' minds, and I definitely know at a minimum that the discussion will happen. If it goes beyond there, we'll certainly watch it and report on it. Let's shift over to a third area. You know, there wasn't a whole lot that happened in higher education in the past few months. Um, you know, <laughs> Pretty quiet. Well, yeah, it, it's been kind of, you know, boilerplate, you know, stay the course kind of stuff in higher ed. Wow, it was a very busy uh, final half of the year in, in terms of higher ed politics, and it sets the stage for what I think is going to be a fascinating session on higher ed issues. Well, it's it's hard. You know, I have to keep in, in mind and remember that the new presidents from Boise State University and University of Idaho were only in place over the summer. It, right. it seems like it seems like we've been talking about, in particular, uh, the diversity issue at Boise State University and new president Marlene Trump. It seems like we've been talking about that for a year or two. Uh, yeah, but it, she just started on July 1st. Right, right. It was only July and August that I sat down and interviewed uh, Marlene Trump and, and Scott Green, the new president of the University of Idaho, you know, just to kind of do the introductory profile interviews for, uh, for new presidents. It feels like they've been here forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they haven't even been there for their first legislative session. But as you mentioned, the diversity issue, uh, the issue of inclusion programs and 
how much money goes into those, which, you know, as reporting has borne out, it's not really a, a huge sum of money that, and not necessarily money coming out of the general fund that's right. being funded from outside sources. But still, that, that's an emotional issue. That's a visceral issue that, that transcends maybe the, the dollars and cents of it. It's a values issue. It's, it's a hot button topic that I'm sure is going to play out during the course of the legislative and Students session. are engaged in it, too. Students are engaged. You, you this, is not a, this, is, this is not an academic exercise, or this is not you know, playing out with you know, elite policymakers behind closed doors. Students are watching and right. very much engaged. And you got a flavor of that at the, the panel discussion at Boise Correct. State back in the fall. So this issue is going to play its way through the legislative session in one form or another. I don't know if it plays in terms of actual legislation. I mean, there's been talk about trying to cut funding for, for Boise State or, or for higher education. I don't really see the mechanics of that, but I definitely see that there's going to be discussion, pushback about some of the programs at, at the universities. But even outside of that hot button topic, there are some really important budget considerations facing higher education. We've written about the budget cuts that the universities are having to impose uh, as a result of Governor Little's order to, to cut spending. And that does affect higher education. While K-12 has been spared those cuts, not so with higher education. Correct. So Boise State is having to find a million dollars of savings this current budget year and then another two million next year. Same for the University of Idaho. And on top of that, University of Idaho is facing a severe shortfall, about a $14 million shortfall that could grow over time. So uh, Green has talked about, we need to balance our budget. We've not had a, a balanced, uh, fiscally sound budget the past couple of years. We will get there, he said uh, last week. Well, the thing I keyed be, in on it's gonna be painful. is it's going to be painful, that yeah. it's going to hurt. And, and I think that um, that, that was what I keyed in on. I'm interested to see how they do it. Um, I'm interested in the budget implications. I'm interested in what the legislature does with funding and how, how the universities respond. But also the tuition freeze. Oh, and yeah. this, we just learned about this a week or two ago. This may be unprecedented level of cooperation in, in our higher education system to freeze tuition for the first time in something like 43 years. At least, if ever. You know, that's all we know is that the records go, go back, back 40, that far. 43 years and there's never been any evidence of a tuition freeze. So it may have never happened. But whether it happened or not, um, 43 years or more ago, it's happening now. And it's happening at a time when the universities are facing some, you know, some severe budget challenges. And at a time when the legislature has been, you know, fairly frugal when it comes to funding higher education. Right. You know. I wrote about it this week. You look at the increases in the higher education budget versus K-12, versus uh, health and welfare, even versus prisons. It, it really is not, yeah, higher education has not fared as well as certainly K-12 over the past few years. And that's intensified the pressure on universities and that's intensified the need to go to increases in tuition and fees to balance the budget. Well, now you had the university saying, we're not going to look for an increase in tuition. Well, where does the money come from? And how does the legislature respond uh, when they get budget requests from the universities uh, starting in January? I think it's an interesting uh, process to play out. And again, you know, a whole lot of new faces representing the universities. Tromp and Green, first legislative session for them as university presidents. 
even kind of the veteran university presidents, such as it is Kevin Satterley at Idaho State University, Cynthia Pemberton at Lewis Clark, they're in their second year. They're the, uh, they're the old guard as far as university presidents are concerned. So I'm going to be watching higher education and higher education policy really closely the, the next couple of months uh, because I think, I think it's going to be K-12 is going to be really interesting, too, but I think higher ed might be even more interesting. Well, I agree with you. And I think one of the very initial signs in terms of the reaction to the tuition increase I saw came from Representative Barbara Ehart, the Idaho Falls Republican that was, you know, a big part of the diversity debate at Boise State who had sent that letter to Dr. Trump. Um, Representative Ehart praised uh, the state board and the universities for coming together to freeze tuition. She called it a great first start, expressed a willingness to work together uh, with the universities and the state board to find other innovative ways to keep tuition affordable for, for students. But I think higher ed is going to be fascinating for all the reasons you mentioned, plus two brand new State Board of Education members right. that are going to be in the mix. Uh, Sean Keough, uh, the longtime state senator uh, who was the chair of the Joint Budget Committee, was appointed to the state board this fall. Kurt Liebick, uh, one of the subcommittee chairs from the task force, uh, was appointed to the state board just in the last week or two. Uh, and so they're up in, to speed, uh, full strength and running. Uh, Debbie Critchfield has been president of the state board for less than a year. She's a veteran member of the state board at this point, but new to the president's role. And so uh, just a lot going on, but we finally have these leadership pieces in place that had not been in place for the preceding three years, basically. So I think it'll be fascinating now that everything's in place. Um, what's going to happen? Given the budget considerations, given the tension between some lawmakers and higher ed, um, given what the legislature's done historically with higher ed versus K-12, I think all that's going to be fascinating. Uh, and I know you're going to be right there following it closely, kind of taking that on, is a mini beat sort of this year for yourself. Yeah, no, I think uh, for all the reasons that we've already mentioned, higher education, it's going to be really a fascinating topic to, to watch. It's going to be a fascinating piece of the education beat for, for us to cover. And, you know, again, you know, how will Marlene Trump and Scott Green be received when they make those first appearances before the Budget Committee, when they make those first appearances before the House and Senate Education Committees? We'll be there, we'll, we'll be watching closely, we'll have full coverage, and we'll not just cover it as a daily story, but we'll try to put it into uh, some sort of a, a broader context as, as the session unfolds. Yeah, and I, mean, I guess that that's a good reminder is with the session starting up, if you're newer to this podcast or new to reading Idaho Education News, that is one of the things we take a lot of pride in, is both you and I are at the legislative session every day, going to all the big meetings, from the Joint Budget Committee to the two education committees to the big floor debates. You and I, ever since Ed, Ed News started seven years ago or yep, whatever, seven years next month, have been every day at the legislature keeping a close eye on that. And I think that's one thing that we, I take a lot of pride in is our legislative coverage because we have the resources that we can have two people there full time specializing on education issues. Uh, it's it's tough. It's it's hectic. It it takes a lot out of you, um, but I enjoy it and it's important. And I'm glad that we get to have that level of focus. But we've talked about we're going to do things a little bit differently this year. We're still going to cover all the big meetings, but we're going to have more of a focus on the bigger picture and what it means and helping you make sense of things 
not just opening the fire hose and letting it you know spray all over the place we want to kind of give people an idea of, of how it fits together and what it means and what the context is and and what's changing and where the debates are and who the key players are and so while that's taxing and I'm partially dreading it I'm also really looking forward to it and I know how important it is and how high the stakes are and I think we're both going to try to tell those stories in different ways this next session I know you're working on a project that you'll launch next year uh, an accountability piece uh, how these key players in education perform and how do you measure success uh, when you're talking about the governor when you're talking about the state superintendent when you're talking about uh, Debbie Critchfield at the state board that's going to be a lot of fun, and I think we'll, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more about it after the first of the year and how I will follow that all throughout 2020, but that's going to be fun. That's something new for me that I haven't really... It's trying to do something a little bit differently, and I haven't done it this way in the past, and so I'm kind of excited about it, and we can talk a little bit more about that after the first of the year. And a thing that I'll try to do more of, and I've done this before, but uh, as a reporter, I'll try to do a little bit more of it on my blog is do a little bit more of the analysis pieces, uh, try to take a little bit more of a step back from the, the daily news and try to put it into some context. Um, that's something that, I've, that I'll start to roll out the first week, even before the legislative session, and you can look for that on my blog every Thursday. You know, a, a little bit more of a, you know, a look at the mirror image of the news, if you will, and, and try to connect some of the pieces, connect some of the dots, and, you know, rather than simply covering the meetings, which we'll continue to do, try to put it into some sort of a, a context that uh, ho hopefully makes it make a little bit more sense. Yeah, and, and we want to hear from from you guys. Uh, you know, all of our listeners, all of our readers have a stake in this as well. We know we have parents who listen to the podcast and read our website. We know we have educators and administrators who listen to the podcast and read the website. We know we have policymakers who follow this, but we want to hear from you. I mean, we know that you can't be at the state house every single day, but we can be. And so what do you want to hear about? What do you want to learn about? What stories are important to you? You can send us an email. That information's on the homepage. You can also get in touch. We're both on Twitter and pretty responsive there, at Clark Corbin or at Kevin Richard. Um, but we do this for you guys, and we want to serve our, our readers and our listeners. And so what are you interested in learning this session? What's important to you? please let us know. Or if you run into us around the state house, or if you have a chance to send us an email or interact over Twitter, what are you curious about? What do you want to follow? And how can we make what is admittedly a complicated, cumbersome process easier for regular folks to understand? That's what our goal is. And so I'd love to hear from any of our listeners if they have ideas. Well, and I think that I think it kind of catches us up to what we wanted to talk about from this week, um, you know, kind of give you a sense of what we looked at and what we're looking towards in, in 2020. It was a year. It was a year. Uh, I had a, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's always stressful, but uh, it was a big year. We think 2020 is going to be an even bigger year. Oh, by the way, there's an election. We haven't yep. even really talked right. about that yet. All legislative seats are going to be up uh, for re-election, as well as, of course, the big presidential race that everyone will be following. So it's going to be a, a big year, but we look forward to it. Uh, that's why this is going to be our final podcast of 2019. We're going to take the next two weeks uh, to rest and get geared up, spend a little bit of time uh, with family as we celebrate Christmas and the holiday season. I have a little bit of homework trying to figure out uh, what these bugs are that are plaguing the podcast this week and see if I can get that uh, figured out, but we will if be. If you're listening to this podcast right now, it means we that's figured a good sign. Out how we got 
that's a got good a podcast live. So, um, but real quick, we are going to be back after the first of the year. Our next podcast will be out January third. That's going to be a big day because we will meet with the governor and legislative leadership that morning, and then run right back to record a podcast. Uh, to tell you about what they're thinking about for the legislative session. And then the next Monday, January 6th, it starts big time with the uh, State of the State address. It may be a little bit of a late-breaking podcast on Friday, January 3rd, because of those meetings we have to attend in the morning. We will get it out that day, but it may be closer to 5 o'clock. But stay tuned. I mean, we'll be meeting with the governor. We'll be in touch with House leadership. We'll ask them uh, the big questions. And then certainly after State of the State, um, that following week is going to be another big podcast, and we'll have more of an idea about what the stakes are for 2020 and what the priorities are. But it's going to be big, and it's important. And I feel like I have to rise to the occasion because of it's basically all education all the time next yeah, year. It's it's going to be a busy legislative session. This year was a year. I predict that next year will be a year as well. It's going to <laughs> it, it's going to be really. It's going to be busy. Uh, we're going to get some clarity maybe on some issues that we've been following for, for quite some time, but maybe we won't. You know. Yeah. But there will be plenty for, for us to talk about here, plenty uh, for us to write about on on, on the website at idaho8news.org. Yeah. We always have a lot of fun on the Extra Credit Podcast, breaking down this complicated intersection of education policy and education politics. But I think it's a good opportunity right now to thank everybody for listening. Yes, thank you. We're closing in on our 200th episode. We do have fun... Uh, with this, but we've gotten some positive feedback and it's been fascinating to watch our numbers grow and to know that people are actually listening uh, each Friday when we put this out. So I want to thank everybody um, for joining us on this journey. Uh, It's fun for us, but it's sort of a way for us to tell the story behind the story or talk about it in a little bit different way than what you might see on the website every day. Uh, And so we're glad that you like it. We hope you enjoy listening to the podcast. We're always open to suggestions. If you'd rather hear more guests, more policymakers, more educators on the program, uh, we certainly can move in that direction. If you like it when it's just Kevin and I breaking down the issue of the day, uh, we can certainly continue uh, doing that. But um, it's been cool. And, you know, when we started this, we knew it would be fun. I didn't know that we would reach 200 episodes yeah. or that we would have 300 people listen to some episodes. Uh So it's been really cool and rewarding. And I know that um, (laughs) people have been very patient with us when we have, you know, we don't have a professional studio, a recording studio or anything like that. And so we do our best. uh, And I'm sorry that it doesn't always sound perfect or that there have been little, uh, you know, blips and and hiccups along the way. Uh, But it's fun. and, And we hope you like it even half as much as we like doing it. And if that's the case... It's worth it. Yeah, come for the content. Don't come for the high production values because <laughs> it's not. Well, if you it's that, not there. If you've been here before, you know you're not coming for the high production values. But hopefully, you find the content useful and interesting and engaging. And we'll be back to do another round of podcasts in 2020. Yep. But in the meantime, let's sign off for this uh, week and let's sign off for this year with uh, you know our best wishes to all of you for listening and for sticking with us this year Uh, have a great holiday season have a great new year and be back with us in 2020 all right hey thanks so much i'm clark i'm kevin have a good week